I love answering uh, questions because um, you all have them. And uh, in the future, when you ask a question, unless you happen to have a chiropractor as one of your relatives, you're probably going to have to pay for a lot of these answers. So I'd love to give you guys insight. Um, so here's the first question. What is the key point for you when you must refer a patient to another doctor in outside or the field? Um, what's the key point for you? So um, the key point for me when I refer someone is um, if there's a crisis. Uh, you know, if, if I feel that what we're going to do is not what has to be done at that particular moment. So um, example, I showed you the x-ray, I think last week or two weeks ago, a kid broke his hand. Well, a kid's breaking his hand, I'm not casting it. I'm not going to diagnose that he's got a break. Uh, that's not you know, what I'm gonna do. I just said, that doesn't look right. Get him to the pediatrician, let them do what they do best. So generally speaking, it's not very often, but once in a while, you're gonna have a crisis. In, and crisis can be defined in a lot, there's a lot of different levels of triage in terms of crisis. Obviously he was totally fine, he wasn't bleeding, he wasn't screaming, he just, this happened two or three days ago. So it, it wasn't an emergent kind of a thing, but it was still a, something that's out of my jurisdiction. Depending upon what state you're in, some states you can cast, and you can do these kind of things. But in most states, um, you can't. Um, now, an emergent situation, that's a different story. Then we're going to call EMS. You know, um, That is extremely rare. Uh, it, once in a very blue moon am I going to have a situation, have ever even in, in, involved in a situation like that. So the actual emergent care is rare out of our office and really most chiropractic offices. Um, and then another question is, when I hear people go to the chiropractor for two years and have not been helped. <clears throat> so uh, I think that's a very valid question. Um, and what happens with a lot of people, if they're going to chiropractors and they're not receiving help, my question is, um, like if, if, if it was my patient, that would never have happened because I would have switched techniques. I would have switched things we're doing. I would have looked at different things. I would have sent them to different providers, even though the chiropractors uh, you know, I have uh, uh, some friends who are upper cervical. I don't do upper cervical. It's just not my thing. Not that it's bad. I love it. But it's just not something that I, I specialize in. If I thought that person needed it, I'd send that to, to them. We, we had some person who really needed, like, very, very seriously lengthy tonal work. Uh, you know, cranial, like, hour-long cranial kind of stuff. And that's just not my thing. I do brief. You know, my, my adjustments are five, seven minutes long, if that. So I refer that person to someone who works, you know, who specializes more in that. So I'm always referring people. So someone, I would never have someone in my office uh, if it is not helping. I would have constantly been switching, switching either A, things that I'm doing, or B, switching to get other providers. <clears throat> For the first couple of years in practice, how did you adapt to certain patients that had more complex issues that you were not 100% comfortable with in treating? That's a great question. So... <clears throat> When uh, I was, for, and, and to let's just be completely upfront, there's still people who come into the practice and I'm like, holy cow, I've never even heard of this before. Um, so, so just because I've, I've had multiple years in practice doesn't mean that this never occurs again. It's going to occur over and over and over. Um, but uh, when you're, and here's the, the really big thing, understand this. A lot of people, a lot of you guys say this, well, I'm just, I'm a new grad. Like, no, you're not. You by becoming a doctor, 
But when you walk across the stage and you get your license because you passed part four and all that kind of stuff, right? When that happens and you actually get your state license, you have had more education than 99% of the people on the planet. So no matter what you encounter, you are better prepared than 99% of other people on the planet. And then if you actually really think about it, the people who uh, are truly in healthcare, you're probably better prepared than 99% of a lot of them to deal with how to really get people back to health versus patch it you know, with drugs or patch it with surgery or whatever kind of thing. That's the whole point. One of my, I have a new patient yesterday and she's a nurse and she's like, all the suggestions for my kid have been to like cover this, patch this, you know, take this medicine. I don't want that. I want to fix it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here because we want to fix it. And so, so, and, and, that, and you, you have that ability, no matter what the case is, you have that ability. So believe in yourself. Um, but it was a great question. How can we more effectively guide our patients in the vaccine conversation? How do we create a greater sense of urgency to avoid the standard schedule of vax? Excellent question. So I'm going to be completely upfront with you on how I deal with the vaccine situation. And that is, it is not in my jurisdiction to tell someone to vaccinate or not vaccinate. So in my office, we are judgment free. You vaccinate, great. You don't vaccinate, great. I don't care. I, I'm not going to, to dissuade someone from like whatever this, I'm not going to get even enter the vaccine discussion because I want them to get in chiropractic care. And I have found in my years when I was very, very adamant, like you really, you shouldn't be doing this and and throwing literature at them. I lost a lot of patients that way because they were looking for someone to help guide them and not direct them and point fingers at them and make them feel guilty about doing something. So what I have found to be better is have you looked at the National Vaccine Information Center website? Do you know there's another side to the story? Right? Do, do you realize, like, one of the things that I get a lot of times is, yeah, we're going to go to the pediatrician and, my, um, and they're going to vaccinate him even though he's sick. I'm like, do you realize that's the number one way to get a reaction is to actually get a vaccine while a child is already sick? So maybe you should think about that. So that's the kind of conversations I'll have, but I will not have a conversation uh, about should they or shouldn't they, because it's way out of our ballpark. And uh, there, at, j just as an example, in uh, Canada, there are people who have lost their licenses because they were outspoken telling people not to, to do something that is out of their jurisdiction. So my suggestion is keep your license. Um, and you can talk about this kind of topic, because it's very important to talk about, but talk about it making it judgment-free. And whatever you decide, if you want to vaccinate your kids, I want to adjust them. I don't care what's going on. I just want to adjust the kids. So that's my conversation with that. <clears throat> Good question. Let's see. When running a family clinic, what is the best way to convey to your patients that you won't, that you want to adjust their babies, friends, babies, family, baby? <laughs> that's great. Okay. So how do you how do you say you want to adjust their babies? Is um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but one of my uh, favorite stories is uh, one of our inter... We're, by the way, we have graduated this quarter. Next week, we're graduating our 88th, 89th, 90th, and 91st interns. Uh, so that's really kind of cool. Um, and one of those interns, about two or three years ago, 
she uh, went back into her dad's practice that was almost all a fam uh, like an adult only practice back pain neck pain etc and she asked every single one of those people she said um, do you got kids yeah did it have the four A's that was her question did it have any of the four A's and everybody was like what are the four A's and she said well autism ADHD allergies and asthma and one out of every three people in of kids in this country have one of the four A's one every three kids has one of the four A's. So she said, do you have one of the four A's? And what do you think they said? Yeah. All right. Well, bring them in. But here's the key thing. And the thing that she told me that was such a brilliant thing. It was, she didn't stop there because a lot of these people didn't have kids, but maybe they had grandkids that weren't in the area. So what did she do? She referred them. Right? And believe it or not, this may seem totally crazy, but the more you refer, I am constantly, every single day, referring to one or two other chiropractors around the country, around the world even, because the more you refer, the more people will refer to you. So I am constantly having chiropractors from around the world referring to me for when people move to Atlanta or come to Atlanta, because I have referred to them over the years. And maybe not directly to them, but because I've referred out, it comes back, right? What goes around comes around. So super important to, to and that's what really built. So she doubled, I think I told you this, she doubled her dad's practice because now all these adults that were bringing in themselves only or maybe their wife were now bringing all the kids in, right? So what a great way for, you know, to do that. Just ask, you got any kids? Yeah, all right. Any four A's? Yeah, all right, bring them in. All right. As it pertains to staff and giving bonuses, how do you go about doing it, performance or another metric? <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of different controversy about bonuses uh, and there are there's nothing wrong with bonuses I think bonuses are fabulous but I, I have found that bonuses based upon metrics like specific metrics can create a negative feeling because let's say that your bonus was you got a you know you more $10,000 more this month and you get a bonus and you reach $9,900 well no bonus for you right and you're like so that employee is like mad well I, I'm you know I worked my tail off I'm almost there right but if you go by the metric and say well the number said this and you didn't reach this so there you don't there's no bonus then in some cases that creates hard feelings so what I love doing my way of bonusing is out of the blue you do great stuff. You know what? That was, you did so great last week. Here's a bonus. You know, you did so good. I'm going to, I'm going to buy you this gift that it, like I heard this person talking about it. And now all of a sudden it shows up. There it is. Here's this, this gift. You just were mentioning this and here it is. That's the kind of bonus I like doing these unexpected bonuses, because to me that builds longer term loyalty than looking only at numbers. Not that you can't bonus for numbers and it's wrong or bad. It's just I have found that it's better to do these sort of surprise bonuses <clears throat> that they don't expect and they don't, they don't, you know, they're not measuring something and then they get this really cool bonus, you know, like that. That's my opinion. <clears throat> okay. What is a good way to introduce yourself to community as a new doctor in town while gaining rapport with families and health professionals? I'll be associated. Great. <clears throat> Excellent question. So here's my favorite, 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 favorite way to, to introduce yourself to the community. And I did this in two different practices. 
<clears throat> when I first opened up in New Jersey, I did this back in 1989, and I did it again when I came down here in 2001, and it worked like a charm. And it's called the survey, <clears throat> the survey. And what you're going to do is you're going to take one of your iPads, and you're going to walk around with your iPad and a stylus kind of thing, or I did a clipboard because they didn't have iPads back then, but you can use an iPad would be much more like 2023. Um, so, uh, and you walk around and you go into businesses when they're not busy. And you say to them, hi, uh, I'm Dr. Rubin, and I just moved down the block. I'm in the XYZ complex over here. Um, what do you think about this area? That's the question you ask. What do you think about this area? Not, I'm a chiropractor, you want to come in for a free visit or a consultation or whatever. They don't want to talk about you. They don't care about chiropractic. That's not their interest, right? So you're coming into their place of business. You want to ask them about them and what they like about this area. So you say, what do you think about this area? You like this area? Oh, I love this area. What do you love about it? What's your favorite thing? And you just kind of go off of that. Oh, well, you know, I've got a church over here. Oh, really? Tell me about that church. Oh, it's like, it's a great church. And there's like 10,000 people there. And... You know, so it's, it's really, it's, it's great men's club. And, oh, are you involved in the men's club? Yeah, I'm involved in the men's club. Oh, really? Now, so you're putting it in the back of your head. Don't automatically say, oh, can I speak for them? They don't know you, right? You have to build rapport, but you just write that down. John's men's club, you know, big church, right? And you just kind of build this. Uh, what else do you like with this area? Well, I love that, you know, like the school that my kids go to is amazing. You know, XYZ school, unbelievable. Oh, really, how, how, are you, how are you involved there? Well, they do this great run and they do this great uh, bake sale, and they have this great fair at Christmas time. Oh, really? And that, what's the name of the school? XYZ school? Okay, and they have a fair, and, and you're writing all this stuff down because this, these are all gonna be all your future places that you're gonna do marketing you know, at. <clears throat> About 75% of the conversation is going to end, kind of die down, and then you say, well, thank you so much. It was really nice meeting you. Do you mind if I invite you to our open house? It's going to be in about a month. So I make sure you have like a, a month's time when you're starting these kind of surveys. If you're opening up your own practice or if you're an associate, it doesn't matter. But give yourself some time. So can I, we're going to do an open house or a special something or other in a month's time. Sure. And then you get your, their business card. And then you give them your business card. right? So it's an exchange. <clears throat> but 25% of people are going to say, wait, you mentioned you're a chiropractor? Yeah. Well, you know, because now you build rapport and they like you. Well, my back, you know, this, or my wife's this, or my kid's that, or my friend's this, or whatever. And now, <clears throat> this is the next step. And this was like the best thing. I can't remember who told me this years and years and years ago uh, at DE. This is what I heard someone say at DE. But um, <clears throat> before <clears throat> I went on this survey, I had found out through the community, what was the number one local charity? So for instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I heard that there's a young girl uh, from one of our local high schools who's looking to get to raise money on a group B for her, her kidney. She needs to, to get a kidney transplant, and she's raising money. Uh, it's on billboards, and everybody from the high school is like passing out flyers about it. <clears throat> so if I was opening up now, I'd say, you, you know about Karen's Kidney Fund? Yeah. What we're going to do is, as a way of saying that to, thanks to the community for having us here, we're offering our new patient exam, which is normally $200, we're offering it for just $50 if you sign up right now, and $25 is going to Karen's Kidney Fund. And everybody in the area knows about whatever you know, that local thing is. You know, uh, what happened with me when I opened up here, it was um, a 9-11. 
It was right around 9-11. So uh, I had, and there was someone in the local area who was significantly affected by 9-11, you know, lost their husband in everything. Um, so we were raising money for, you know, John Doe about this. And everyone's like, really? Wow. Can I bring my wife too? Oh, absolutely. You know, so that means you're going to, so $50 is going to go to this fund? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Fabulous. Let's do it. Right? And then you take out your, you know, so you have your iPad, and then you go to your calendar thing and just book them in that, and you book everybody you can in that in one week's time. Don't spread them out over a month. You want one week. This is our, this is our special offer week or grand opening week or whatever it is. We'll book everybody in that week and smash them in there so that they see all kinds of people and much better for someone to wait than for to, to like walk into a completely empty office. Um, so, and what I did is my goal was to talk to 500 people in a month's time, which I did. I handed out 500 business cards in a month and we had 30 new patients in my first week in both practices, the Jersey one and the, new, the one here. And from that point on, you're, you're rolling. Uh, yeah. Sorry, how many new patients? 30, 30 new patients in our first week. So it was maybe, so if I had a thousand business cards, I, I don't know what percent that is, but it's a good percentage of the number of people that we spoke to. And then we, during, and then we invited everybody that we spoke to, we got their business cards, we invited them to open houses. So then, and then when we send to the, uh, you know, right, right before the open house that week, we send everybody the same, that we send an email, we invite you to open house and we're doing uh, a new patient exams Normally it's $200, but if you come in this week, it's just $50 and 25 goes to the you know, uh, kidney fund or whatever it is. <clears throat> and we got some more new patients the following week. So we set those up people up. So we got two weeks of a boatload of new patients. And, for, and then once they came in, then you start, let's bring your kids in. Let's, and then boom, 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 boom. <clears throat> so that was a phenomenal way for me to, to get myself in the community. Uh, very quickly and endeared in the community because I'm raising money for a local person in the community that was in need. Uh, so, and I, I recommend this to a lot of my interns and stuff, and they've really done some great work with that. So, <clears throat> thank you for asking that question, whoever that was. <clears throat> okay. Um, how do you determine how much to charge kids per visit and new exam, and what do you charge adult patients? <clears throat> Excellent question. I don't charge anything different. So in my office, a new patient exam for a kid, an adult, a child on the spectrum, or a newborn baby is the same. It's all the same. Because your skill level is highly needed in everything. I have colleagues uh, that I know out there who say, I don't charge for kids, or I don't charge for kids under age two, whatever. If they want to do that, it's totally fine. In my opinion, adjusting a child takes even more concentration and more understanding and more talent than adjusting an adult. So I think that is kind of backwards. So the way we do it in our office, we don't take insurance. So everybody, the first person, I don't care who it is, the first human in the family pays this amount per month. And then every other human in the family pays an additional amount. So as an example, like the first person would be like $300 a month for unlimited number of adjustments. And then the next person would be an additional 50 or, or 80, I can't, but they do all that work. Um, and then, so let's say, I can't do math either. So let's say it's, it's uh, 300 and there's an additional 100 for every other person. So it's, it makes it very, very simple uh, and easy to get a lot of people, the whole family under care. Because most of the time, the reason that people don't have family practices and just see one person in, in that whole family 
is because they're, they're charging per visit. So if you charge 50 or I can't, yeah, let's just say 50, $50 per visit for a family of five, what's that, 250? I think so. That's a lot of money. So $250 every time the five of you, the five of you guys come in, to, that, that, no, no family's gonna do that. You know, unless you're living in our Park Avenue in, in New York City, right? So, but if you charge 300 a month for the first person and then $50 or $100 a, a month for each additional person, that's a much more affordable amount because then they can come in the way they're supposed to come in a couple times a week in the beginning, et cetera, and slowly go down. And now you have a much more affordable, you know, kind of a plan. <clears throat> but make sure that you are, if you're doing only, when you're doing cash, it, at least from my perspective, when you're doing cash, you need to have them in some sort of a plan, whether it's uh, Cairo Health USA, preferred chiropractic doctor, or some of these other kind of things. You want to make sure that all your patients join that. Uh, and this way, especially if you're taking insurance also, that you can differentiate the reason that my cash patients pay this amount and the insurance patients pay this amount is because they're in a different plan. So you have to delineate. Uh, you know, different, you know, different things. And another important uh, point that I just heard some of my interns were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago is some people are saying out there, because I'm a cash doc, I don't need to take notes. Uh, <laughs> that's a mistake. So whatever they want to do is fine. Like, don't criticize your peak doc. Um, but if you don't take notes, that's not good. Because God forbid something happens, what are you going to do, right? So, uh, and there are some really great, super easy, simple programs. Like I use the program Cairo Write, R-I-W-R-I-T-E. It is a super simple, easy, like you're done with a note in a couple of minutes. Uh, not even like a minute, you're done with your note versus God knows what they use here. Um, so um, I, I was in the clinic for years, so I, I know what they're using. Um, and... Um, I mean, it's, it's a good program, but it's, it just takes a thousand years to fill out a note. Um, and I don't have that kind of time. Um, so, uh, so I, it's, but, but it's very important to take notes. Don't not take notes. And don't use paper. Paper notes are not kosher anymore either. <coughs> are you giving unlimited for that price? Like unlimited Like a month? Yeah, it depends on what you want to do. Um, we usually say it's either one or two visits per week. Um, because yes, in one price. So three hundred dollars a month is two times a week for the for that one person. Two times a week. Yeah. What was the name of those plans that you said put on? Sure. The two plans, the two best ones, are Preferred Chiropractic Doctor and Cairo Health USA. They're both fabulous, and they've been around for a long time. And I've been, I've been using PCD since it first came out. Yeah. Good question. So the only insurance that I use in my office is is a PI insurance. So so God forbid, like we just had it happen recently, two patients were in accidents, and I'm not going to refer them out. You know, I, I want to see them, so I will see as a courtesy to them. I will do you know their uh, submit their PI insurance, and the ChiroWrite company does allow you to submit to you know do that. It's it's not meant for it like some of the other bigger ones are meant to just blast out insurance you know kind of things but you can easily print up your insurance forms but that's you know 
less than 10% of the practice. Yeah, good question. <clears throat> All right. Um, although each patient is different, do you have a process if a child isn't improving on the care? Yeah, great question. So, and I kind of I have alluded to this all quarter, but my process for these kids is to, um, is to re-exam every 10 visits and switch gears if I have to. So the way I look at it is every kid who comes into practice falls in a neurological pattern of one of three places. You're a total disaster, you're kind of in the middle, or you're neurotypical. If you're a total disaster, I'm going super gentle in the beginning, which means I'm doing sustained contact, maybe some tonal work, some cranial work, etc. If you're somewhere in the middle, I might mix things. If you're up there, I'm starting with activator or some full spine you know, kind of work. So everybody gets placed in A, B, or C category. And then we, we do a re-exam, let's say the child comes in and that person's in the A category. Well, we do a re-exam, now they're in the B category, so now we're gonna change our adjustment. And then we do the next re-exam, and now they're in the C category, I'm gonna change it again. And we're always changing exercises through the, all, all this too. So we're constantly refreshing, constantly refreshing, never doing the same thing for more than 10, 12 visits at a time. And that makes it really, really good for parents because they want something new. They don't want to say, Didn't you, haven't you been doing this for like six months, the same exact adjustment? It's never the same exact adjustment because we're always changing, always changing. Give them new exercises, give them new, new things to do. Excellent question. <clears throat> okay. Do you do wellness talks in your office? If so, do you do them or do you bring in another healthcare provider? What topics are covered? <clears throat> I used to do um, a Wednesday night healthcare talk every single week until COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I stopped it, um, and I put my talks online. Uh, and now, um, when someone comes in, like we had a new patient yesterday who just said, um, before I even came to see you, I watched like your, health, your, your talk, and it was really great. Um, and I've been listening to your podcast. I'm like, awesome. Um, so I think, uh, to me, um, especially with the new, like, I don't know, I don't like calling it Gen Z, but with the Gen Z and the millennials and that kind of stuff, uh, I, don't, I, I don't really like that terminology. But they don't want to sit and be talked to. They're, they want this. They want in, out, get it done. So they'd rather you send them a, my suggestion today. Not, not that it's bad or wrong. Some are still doing health talks, and I know some colleagues are, and, and that's great. But my suggestion now is to do a healthcare talk in front of a group uh, and then record it on Zoom, which you can do for free, and you can get the recording off of Zoom for free, uh, and then send that to your new patients and have them listen to it and ask them questions about it. Uh, and to me, I think that's a much more appropriate thing. And make it short. Don't make it an hour long kind of thing. Make it 15, 20 minute kind of thing. Boom. That's the Gen Z time frame. You know, it's like 15, 20 minutes and then they're done. Um, so that would be my suggestion for, <clears throat> for that. <clears throat> On the other hand, though, I would suggest if someone's interested, uh, we also had a Pathways group that was really active in the office, and we just haven't kicked it back up again because uh, I've been so busy with so many other things. Pathways is a great organization uh, to have in your office, um, and uh, through the ICPA, you get the, the uh, ICPA magazines every quarter, have a quarterly meeting or a monthly meeting if you want, and um, 
in this way, instead of having a healthcare talk, you just have parents kind of talking about a topic in that magazine. So I find that a much more Gen Z approach where it's kind of quick, short, they bring their kids, you put the food out, the kids are running around, everybody's having a great old time. Um, it's really awesome. I know like Dr. John Edwards, um, chiropractor, who's an ICPA doc, um, is a really big advocate of, of pathways. Um, when you first, when first opening a pediatric centered office, what's the best way to get pediatric prenatal pregnant patients? Um, screenings, community talk, I, I told you, I think the best way to do it is, is during that survey. And once you get, once you, you do the survey and the people come in, then you get their kids. Um, uh, that's the best, the, the, the number one way to start that is to, if you're opening office, is just get people in first and then get their kids in. Eventually what you want though, like in my practice, the kids are usually the first person in. Uh, but that comes from word of mouth and, you know, having a very focused website, which I think is that's another very important thing, is you should all have websites, not just Facebooks. Not Instagram and Facebook does not count as a website. you got to have a home base of a website for people to look at and really research you because Google doesn't look at Facebook pages the way it looks at a website. So even if you use a Wix, which is a free website, do something to get yourself as a, as a, as a home base. And you can attach your Facebook, your Instagram, your TikTok to it. But don't, don't just have that because that's not a good plan. <clears throat> uh, what is the key point for you when you must... Oh, that was it. That was it. Great. Great, great, great. Excellent.